0: So let 2024 be your best year yet. Visit soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M to sign up and receive $50 off your device. That's soberlink.com forward slash T-A-M. And let accountability be your guide. Hello everyone, welcome to the Addicted Mind podcast. My name's Dwayne Osterland and I'm your host, I'm also the founder of Novus Mindful Life Institute Family Counseling and Recovery in Long Beach, California. If you, anyone you know is struggling with any of life's difficulties, please reach out to us. You can find more information about us at theaddictedmind.com forward slash help. All right, we're on to episode 62. And today's guest is Sam Arsenal. And she is going to talk about Shatterproof and their mission to improve addiction treatment. Having this conversation with Sam about what they're doing and what they're trying to accomplish to make addiction treatment evidence-based is awesome and just a big fan of their mission and what they're trying to accomplish. I think it's great for the addiction treatment field. So. Why don't we go ahead and start this episode? But before we do, don't forget, if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. I really appreciate that. It really helps get us a lot of exposure. And also, if you're interested in carrying this conversation on after the episode, you can find the Facebook group and just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. I'm working to grow that group and get resources out there for people who are struggling with addiction and family members who are looking for addiction treatment. So please go ahead and join that. Okay, let's get this episode going. All right, everyone, welcome to the Addicted Mind. My guest today is Sam Arsenal from Shatterproof. And Sam, you want to introduce yourself?
1: Sure, thank you. So yes, I'm Sam Arsenal. I am the Director of National Treatment Quality Initiatives at Shatterproof. Shatterproof is a national nonprofit organization dedicated to ending the devastation that addiction causes families, and specifically within our National Treatment Quality Initiatives, we're currently working to design and pilot a rating system for addiction treatment programs. And so that's the main focus of, of the work that we have underway right now.
0: Okay, so let's talk about Shatterproof. And how did it come to be? And why is this so important?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is a really critical issue. Shadow was created by our founder and CEO Gary Mendel about five years ago. Gary has a background in the business world. He was a, a CEO in the hotel industry. But Gary lost his son, Brian to the disease of addiction. And after Brian passed and Gary was able to learn a lot more about the the re- addiction treatment industry, he realized that, There was a lot of evidence-based practices for treating substance use disorders that through his years of treatment interactions with Brian, they weren't encountering and was perplexed by this essentially broken system. And so he created Shatterproof to be a voice for people with substance use disorders and with their, for their families to promote research and really be an advocacy organization to stimulate change and have an impact in the state. So we've been around for about five years and we do work on prevention, treatment, and recovery. We've done advocacy work on both the state and federal level, everything from good Samaritan laws, prescription drug monitoring programs, Naloxone access, but in the last two years, we've really honed in our focus on improving the quality of addiction treatment. And that was spurred by the release of the the 2016 Surgeon General's report, which documented the last three decades of research on addiction and addiction treatment and really shows that addiction can be treated with the same effectiveness as other chronic diseases, but that there's a huge gap in the treatment industry in delivering this care and that many people with substance use disorders can't access this care. They can't distill which programs are offering high quality care versus those that are not. And there are many systems in place which create barriers for treatment programs and medical professionals to actually delivering those evidence-based best practices. And so we've really focused in on that as our top priority both across advocacy and programs.
0: Okay, can we we talk a little bit about, when you say evidence-based treatment, What does that mean? And when you're looking at, I guess, quality of care, what does someone look for in that and what are you advocating for?
1: Yeah, so Shatterproof actually outlined what those components are in our national principles of care. So those are eight core components that are shown to improve patient outcomes across addiction treatment regardless of the level of care or care setting. So essentially, to sum it up, it's that addiction treatment should be individualized. It should be based on someone's biopsychosocial treatment assessment and that their treatment plan should be tailored based on their needs rather than a one-size-fits-all cookie-cutter program or an acute treatment episode. So recognizing that addiction is a chronic relapsing disease And that it's not treated in these one-time stints of rehab. And so our eight principles of care outline those core components. One critical element, which is pretty evidently clear, we're looking at opioid use disorder specifically, is our principle number seven, which is related to access for medication-assisted treatment. So medications are not necessarily appropriate for treating all patients with addiction, but they are a best practice in treating moderate to severe opioid use disorder. And what we know is that 40% of the addiction treatment programs in the U.S. don't offer medication-assisted treatment or are only offering one form of medication-assisted treatment and that only 6% are offering all three. So that's 60% of programs that aren't offering this best practice uh, for treating opioid use disorder in the wake of the nation's opioid crisis. So that's that's a one specific example of how these best practices are not being implemented today.
0: Which seems crazy to me to, to, to hear those statistics. It's like... My gosh, you know this is so important in in treatment and and the treatment of addiction. And definitely, when you talked about, I've seen that a lot in my experience uh, working with treating addiction. Is these one size fit all models where people go into a treatment facility and everybody's in a group, everybody does the same thing, and. I just don't think it works.
1: Right. It's not about having a specific program or or an acute, you know, episode like when we think about a 28-day program for treating a substance use disorder. Residential treatment might be the best course of care for people with a severe substance use disorder, but the amount of days is going to be specific to that individual's needs. And we really want to encourage long-term management and you know moving through that cascade of care. If we were to take someone with diabetes and, and have them go into residential treatment and control all of their food intake, all of their exercise, and then after 28 days, say, Okay, you know, you're released now. You've completed the program. Your, your diabetes is under control. And they just went back to their environment. I mean, they'd be really likely to not actually have a good handle on their chronic disease management. And the same is true for addiction and these, and that many programs that a lot of people think is the best way to treat addiction. But in reality, we want to make sure that it's individualized and tailored to someone's someone's needs versus what a program might be
0: offering. And when you say individualized, what, what might that look like?
1: That could include the types of therapies that are being administered, the frequency of treatment interactions, the type of medication that's being used. And that could be based on a number of different factors. So specifically for medication, it could be based on any medication interactions or the availability of medication in a person's community, um, you know how they're how they're doing on those medications, and whether or not their dose needs to be increased or decreased. So making sure that there are those touch points and adjustments based on constant monitoring throughout the course of treatment.
0: Yeah, and you know one of the things that I've seen in addiction treatment, and also what we we've really tried to do here is like we realize like addiction is a long term issue, and that a lot of people need support. For maybe a couple of years, actually, if they're really struggling in addiction, that they're going to need that ongoing, long-term support to be able to get and stay sober and you know, get the help that they need.
1: Right, absolutely. And I I would say that with our rating system, when we look at addiction treatment programs, we aren't expecting programs to necessarily be able to offer that full continuum to someone, you know, from the moment that they're diagnosed or have an overdose event all the way through, you know, years into recovery. But what's really critical is that these systems are integrated and talking to each other. And so if a program is offering residential treatment, that they would be able to transition someone or have a relationship with those recovery support services should that individual need employment services or housing and being able to have that connectedness within the addiction treatment space.
0: I think that would be really incredible. And you have all those support networks to help that person Get back on their feet and to communicate all together. And a lot of the inpatient treatment facilities that I refer to, we do a lot of communicating back and forth. You know, sometimes clients come in here and we're an outpatient facility and they just need that really higher level of care. They, you know, they may not be safe to themselves or they just can't get any sobriety, but it's really great when they come back and then we can, we're the outpatient part of it, we can work with them for a year or two years if they need it and give them that ongoing support. And it's really awesome to be able to see that.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So Shatterproof is, they put together a a system to rate these facilities or how does that work?
1: Yeah. So we will be assessing treatment programs, ability to deliver care that's in alignment with the principles of care. So those eight core components of addiction treatment that should be offered across all levels of care. So the idea is that no matter where you go for addiction treatment, whether it's residential or outpatient, you're offered care that's consistent with these best practices. And right now, there are some regulations and standards within addiction treatment, but it's quite fragmented. And so opioid treatment programs, which offer methadone maintenance, are very stringently regulated versus OBOTs, which are office-based opioid treatment, which have a different set of regulations. And so this is really saying across all areas of addiction treatment, here's what the best practices are that people should expect. They shouldn't be expecting to go to a treatment program that's going to offer care based on outdated philosophies and not offer the evidence-based medical practices. And so the way that we're building this system to do that is to assess treatment quality based on measures that are calculated from three data sources. So the first is from a treatment program survey. So we'll be inviting all of the specialty addiction treatment programs in our pilot states to submit to this survey. What we're looking at are mostly process and structural measures. So is the program doing these things that we recognize as best practices and asking for some verification and documentation review to verify that? We are also calculating measures based on insurance claims. So we are partnering with states to utilize Medicaid data to inform these claims-based measures. And we're also working with a group of commercial health insurers to inform those claims-based measures. The commercial health insurers are also a partial funder of the initiative, which the, the majority is funded by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation and Arnold Ventures. And then the last piece of the quality rating system is the consumer experience. So when people go to this treatment program, what was their experience like? Um, you know, we know that this is really critical in people making decisions about all goods and services, you know, from TripAdvisor, Yelp, all of these different mechanisms for viewing your peers or colleagues or other people in the public's feedback on their experience really impacts where we might go for services. And the same is now true. For services in the medical community. So taking the lessons learned from things like CMS's nursing home compare or hospital compare, leapfrog hospital safety grades, or the, the Society of Thoracic Surgeons rating system. Um, you know These public-facing report cards, which are gathering feedback and data from these multiple data sources and integrating it to create a picture for people who are looking for treatment to understand what factors might be important to them and guide them in making of where to go
0: for treatment. I think that's just really awesome. And I'm I'm so excited that this is happening and, and especially with the opioid epidemic and this epidemic is affecting so many people and just getting closer and closer to home as more people are unfortunately even dying from the opioid epidemic. I mean, it's huge that to have this really high quality care and to bring this into the treatment system, I think it's great.
1: And one thing I will note is that while some of the measures are specific to the treatment of opioid use disorder, we are actually looking at treatment of all substance use disorders, you know, drugs and alcohol, which I think is really critically important because we have this issue with opioids right now, but a lot of the people who have opioid use disorder, they have substance use disorders and polysubstance use that need to be addressed holistically, along with other mental and physical health conditions. And so we're really talking about integrated, coordinated care. And in doing so, you know, we think it's really important to address the treatment of all substance use disorders, not just opioid use disorder, with this rating
0: system. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it all overlaps, and when a person is is stuck in the, in the grips of addiction, and they're using that to alter their mood or their feelings or their emotions, they're going to go to different places. And yeah, you have to treat that whole thing—that uh, the whole person.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: So, tell me a little bit more about kind of going forward. So, some of this is piloted at this point? It's not, can people access this information yet or it's just being started?
1: It's just getting started. So we'll be piloting the rating system in a select number of states. I can share that Massachusetts and New York were the first to publicly announce their partnership with us to pilot the rating system. We'll be announcing the additional states during the first quarter of this year. We'll begin gathering the data over the summer and then analyzing it and publicly producing the ratings for our website in 2020. With that said though, you know, there's a lot of opportunities for engagement in the rating system before the actual website is live. So right now, you know, we have our measure set up for public comment via the National Quality Forum. And so that measure set includes all of the things that we would be looking at through those three data collection mechanisms to examine the quality of care. And so we have that up for public comment. Um, it was developed by a committee of experts with our team here at Chatterproof and then has been reviewed by payers and provider focus groups, as well as a technical expert panel at the National Quality Forum. But we think it's really critical to get the feedback from stakeholders across different groups in the pilot states and nationally. Um, you know, treatment programs, individuals in recovery, anyone who may be using the system to have their eyes on this. And so before the measure set is finalized, it's up for public comment until March 1st. After that, we'll be piloting the survey questions with treatment programs in our pilot states. So that's another opportunity for engagement, as well as having roundtable discussions and talking about having how this project will roll out in those states. Um, we really think it's critical for it to be led by treatment programs for them to have a, a stake in this project and to create a system that will actually help them with quality improvement rather than just make them feel like they're being rated. And right. so because of that, you know, we've had programs really integrated in the development and design of the project.
0: So, which is, I think it's really great. So it's not just like, hey, we're going to rate, rate these facilities. We're actually going to work on making them the best they can be. And helping people, helping treatment facilities and and care providers really create awesome, great care for people who are struggling with addiction will help you improve. That's what I'm hearing.
1: Right. and, And what we're hearing from the treatment programs is that they're actually being asked to do a lot of reporting already. But when they're asked to do this reporting, they aren't getting that data back in a way that they can do exactly what you just said, which is to to use it to change their practices, change their processes, and ultimately improve their patients' outcomes. And so that's what we're trying to change here is streamlining the data that they're reporting. So rather than reporting the same concept in three different ways to three different payers, Reporting it once to us and having us be able to deliver it to all of those audiences, including back to the treatment programs themselves, in a way that they can use the data.
0: And then being able to collect that data over many treatment centers and many uh, care providers gets you even better data in order to say, hey, this looks like this is really working or this isn't working or maybe we should shift this or change that. I mean that's very very cool.
1: Absolutely, and one of the things that we'll be creating is a password protected portal for states where the states will be able to access the data across the population of treatment programs and actually use that to target their technical assistance resources. So whether it's in a particular geographic region of the state they're struggling with one area of treatment, or you know across the board the treatment programs in the state aren't delivering aren't performing highly in one area, they can actually modify their technical assistance to really target those areas where they need to drive improvement.
0: Wow, this is super exciting. It's so great to to hear about it and to see like this kind of work happening and and that that this kind of putting this kind of data together and then being able to actually use it, make it actionable, super cool.
1: Thank you. Yeah, we're very excited about
0: it. Yeah, definitely. So Sam Anybody out there, I like to ask this question a lot at the end of the podcast, is anybody out there who's struggling with addiction and wondering what to do, or even a family member of someone struggling with addiction, what do you want to tell them? What's the message you want to to give them?
1: I would say there is help available and we know how hard it is to find and that most of the time people looking are in a time of crisis and they often feel like they can't reach out for help because of the shame and stigma but we really believe that addiction should be treated with compassion and urgency and that resources should be made available and so we are putting together a lot of information on our website you know i would encourage people to look at the principles of care which are on our site to get a sense of what addiction treatment looks like you know what to think about when thinking about different treatment programs or options for yourself or a loved one and know that it's never too early to find treatment or to find some kind of help. Um, and that, you know, as in going through that process, you're not alone.
0: That's awesome. Thank you so much. How, how can people find that? Where What's the what's the website they can go to?
1: Our website is www.shatterproof.org. All
0: right. And I'll definitely link that in the show notes and, and any other resources that you can give me for people out there. So they can definitely download it there. Sam, thank you so much for coming on to the Addicted Mind podcast and and sharing this great information. I really appreciate it.
1: Yes, Thank you, Joanne. Thanks so much for having me.
0: All right. Thank you for listening to the Addicted Mind podcast. As usual, you can get the show notes at theaddictedmind.com forward slash 62. And just a little reminder, if you're enjoying the Addicted Mind podcast, please rate and review us in iTunes. That is really cool and I really appreciate it. And uh, join our Facebook group. You can just go to Facebook and type in the Addicted Mind podcast and click join. I'm working to grow that and make that a resource for people who treat addiction or are looking for resources about addiction. And uh, so go enjoy that and join in on the conversation there. All right, until next time, I hope you have a wonderful and rewarding day.
1: Oh, hey, it's Erin.